Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hi, Dave. How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Did you have a good week? I did. I did, aside from the topic we'll end up speaking about today. But aside from that, I had a very good week. <laughs> well, I know that 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 um, you did not exactly have a great week when it comes to limb sensation, that, that you were dealing with some phantom pain. Um, and when you divulged that, I thought, you know what? I think that's probably a, a very relevant podcast. So here we are. Yes. A topic that I think we've both written about extensively in the past, one that you and I have talked a lot about off, offline, and um, one that I don't like thinking about because well, it's miserable when you really—it's out of your control. And I don't know if you know this, but I think you like to, to, you know, be able to control things a little bit and be very orderly. I know, right? Me? <laughs> Are you serious? I'm the most laid back, just okay. let it all flow okay. guy in the world, aren't I? But be- <laughs> so before we start, um, you are correct. You know, correct. I do want to differentiate the difference between phantom sensation and phantom pain because they are two very, very different beasts that we're dealing with. Uh, phantom sensation is the feeling that that you can wiggle your toes or flex your calf muscles or move your knee when that part of your body is no longer there. Phantom pain is is the nerve reaction, and it's pain that's generated from the nerve endings that used to be in that biological limb. Um, and it's very, very real. I tell people when I write about it, there is absolutely nothing phantom about the pain that you are feeling. It's real. It can be debilitating. I have friends who who suffer greatly with phantom pain. Um, to the point where, you know, I, I'm kind of gun shy. I admitting when I'm having issues and flare ups because it, it makes me realize how very lucky I am that I don't have to deal with it on a very regular basis. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky too. I mean, I, I, I only, and we'll go into this a little bit in a little bit more detail, but it's not something I fortunately have to deal with all that regularly, but the sort of outsized space it takes up psychologically in my brain, despite that rather limited, um, interaction with it just shows how powerful it is. And I really don't, I mean, I know people as well who, who deal with constant, um, pervasive phantom pain, and I don't Pretty know sure how I would, not I would be a pleasant function, person to be around um, in that context because it's just yeah. And I mean, I remember I remember having acquaintances who you know sucked on basically morphine lollipops all day because that was the only way they could function. Um, and that's a that I mean, I understand if, if I have regular phantom pain, I would probably want to do that and also. One of the things that we're going to talk about in today's podcast is that phantom pain doesn't just affect the individual that's feeling it. Because I know when, when I'm having the issues, um, it, it impacts everybody in our house. You know, because when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Um, and I mean, I'm just miserable and I'm short-tempered and it's, it's really hard to deal with.
Yeah, I have exactly the same experience, and we'll we'll go into that in a little more detail. So we'll discuss today sort of how phantom pain affects us, um, and you know what we do to handle it or try to do to handle it when it does happen. There you um, go. Which is, um, I don't know that our advice this All time. Right. I know my advice. Do you want to start about your experiences? People, we'll be honest. Talk about mine. So um, let's uh, let's plunge into it, Peggy. Yeah, I'll start. So, I mean, I, first of all, I will say I almost have never gotten I don't I don't know if I've ever really had a phantom pain episode that didn't start at night. It always happens when my mind is quiet when I'm not Do you think it's that or do you think it's the fact that you're not wearing your different things all at once? Um, so it's it, I don't think it's wearing the prosthesis that's the trigger because I will tell you, last fall I was I was actually in Iceland for work, and what one thirty in the morning, an hour and a half after I had gone to sleep, all of a sudden I'm up and I'm just experiencing phantom pain on a regular basis, and by three in the morning I was sort of out of my head and I put on my leg at three in the morning and I was pacing back and forth in my hotel room okay. at six o'clock. I went downstairs and just started walking the lobby waiting for the restaurant to open. And it wasn't any better. <laughs> I guess I was mildly more distracted because I was walking a little bit, but the really weird thing was that all it did was it relieved the phantom pain when I was loading the leg. So when I was actually weight bearing, but as soon as the foot came off the ground, okay. that's when I'd get hit. Because so, I find that, that I when guess there I was have something it, going on there, um, but it didn't fundamentally if I change. Put my the leg fact on that I was it helps, and I don't think it's necessarily the wearing of the prosthesis, but, but everything that comes with it, like the you know the compression from the liner, basically. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've tried wearing just the liner too. I've tried no, putting so the liner when I have pain. It's usually it's towards nothing. evening when, um, basically, when do, I'm now, starting you, to feel. Do you also worn get down. it at night, or do I get, you get it, it? Have you just had it pop up in the middle of the day? If, also, if I know that I'm switching sockets or trying out new components, I can expect that I'm going to have some phantom pain issues that night. Um, if the, we're getting a huge weather change, um, you know, with the if we have a snowstorm that's coming through or when the hurricanes come through every once in a while in Virginia, I can tell because my phantom pain for the few nights leading up to it is pretty bad, but mainly it's in the evening. I have had it during the day, uh, but that's usually when I'm sick. Cause you know, if you're not miserable enough with strep throat and ear infections, let's just, you know, add electric shocks on the bottom of your limb to, you know, for good measure. Okay. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely. And, and it really, that's the only way I can describe it is it feels like, like it's kind of being cattle prodded with like a little electric jolt every once in a while. And Fantastic, I know it's coming it? because they have auras for me. So I can tell when a big one's building, which just adds to my anxiety. And then the more anxious I become, I think it, it's a trigger for it to be more intense. Yeah, I mean, I 
I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, there are a few characteristics about Phantom Pain that are really unnerving. The first is that once it's there, like it appears out of nowhere. And once it's there, you can't control it. You can't fundamentally limit it. And um, just like you, um, I start, I usually will get these electric jolts that are driving down into like my path that doesn't exist or into my foot, the side of my foot usually, um, sometimes right down the top of the foot that's no longer there. But it's like every anywhere between 15 to 45 seconds. But what's amazing is how quickly, once, once it starts, the way that you start orienting your entire reality around the anticipation exactly. of the next one, it, it, it doesn't take more than five minutes from the onset to all of a sudden you are living in 15 to 45 second intervals of dread. It's, it's miserable, isn't it? It's horrible. And knowing um, that it's coming. Yeah, like, and like I said, said and I feel like I need to preface it again. I realize tingling that, that you know that is about complaining for the few times a year that, that I do experience jolt. phantom pain. Um, I, I feel very selfish in a way because I know that people deal with this all of the time. Um, so I don't want to compare, you know, what I experienced to anybody else because everybody is different, but I do know that when I feel it, it's absolutely debilitating because it also reminds me that, that I'm different and I hate that. Okay. Now, see, that's interesting. I never think about that. I never think about the fact that I'm different than someone who has all their limbs who doesn't experience that. Like that thought never even enters my mind. But that may be because I'm so tunneled in on just the experience of the pain. And the for me, it's always that oh crap moment that it's invariably between 12 and 2 in the morning. I know there are five hours, four to five hours before it's even light out. It's dead. There's nothing on TV. There's nothing I can do to really distract myself effectively. And I just know that I'm going to be dealing with this now for the next however many hours in the dark of night without any ability to do anything. I've tried working, Peggy. I've tried you know, cracking open the computer and say, all right, I'll do work. If I'm up, I might as well do work. But of course, it's two or three in the morning. You're used to You can't do anything on a good day at three in the morning where that requires thought. And so, um, you know, the, for me, the, the sort of the, the secondary issue here is that I, for me, phantom pain is always associated with sleep deprivation. So now basically I've pulled an all nighter, but it's an all nighter right. fueled by jolts of pain, not just by the fact that for yeah, some reason I'm I, I totally, and I'm there. I mean, my kids six, know. Seven in they the know, you know, when, when now I just I'm trying say, to function, I get in the shower, they know exactly throw on my prosthesis, well, and I say, all right, I'm going to try to get through the day now. And knows that now it is not the day to kind of get on mom's last nerve bitch. because it's been kicking her all day long. Yeah, so, you know, it for me it has a very quick trickle down because like you it it tends to happen when I'm tired and already worn out, already not feeling well. Um and yeah. it just kind of yeah. kicks you so when you're down. About, so let's then talk you're about our families and how how it affects the people who are around and us. For me then I, at least in my mind I go to 
you know, other people don't have to deal with this. This really sucks. I hate this. And then I'm miserable in that perspective too. You know, Scott knows that if I've been up all night with Phantom Pain, that he needs to bring home a pizza for dinner or something else. Because if I can make it that far in the day without losing my mind, I just need to get something and go into a little corner by myself. And it's hard because I know my kids deserve better. I know that that they deserve a mom who like wants to be around them and wants to play with them. But when I'm in the throes of it and miserable and getting shocked all the time. And for me, not only am I getting shocked, but it feels like my toe is being twisted and the nail is being pulled off simultaneously. Right. And it's really hard to explain that. And then I get really angry that I have to explain it so that it just kind of balloons even more. Yeah. I, so when I have it, you know, the first thing that happens is I generally don't wake up Kara in the middle of the night to tell her because she can't do anything. I don't really want her to be awake either. So I sort of sit there fuming quietly all night, getting jolted and getting pissed off about the fact and you're, I'm just alone. And then when I wake up and she wakes up, I just say, listen, I was up all night. I had phantom pain. Just basically stay out of my way. Um, because nothing good is going to happen. And she immediately does the very human great thing, which is she starts saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Why didn't you wake me up? Is there anything I can do to help? And this, you know, she'll check on me multiple times during the day. And what typically happens in my cycle is it's really bad at night. And then as I get into the day, it will continue. I, but it, it decreases enough that I can at least function a little bit and work, uh, before usually nodding off for an hour or two. And then, as we head into the next night, late afternoon night settles down, usually. Exactly. But, you know, as she's talking to me through the morning into the early afternoon, I'm still experiencing it. And I get, re- it drives me insane to have any questions asked about it because it's like, I'm trying to forget about it. I'm trying to distract myself. And so when the question is asked, is it any better? I'm immediately now like, now I'm thinking about, oh crap, is it any better? And I start thinking about it. And the minute you start thinking about it, you feel it again. So it's like this really, this awful cycle where she's doing everything that I would want her to do in the abstract. And I am absolutely miserable and to how, her about And how do your kids you know? handle and I, it? Because my so kids... I just had this experience last yeah, week. My kids want to help, I told right? Her so I have Robbie bringing like, me my listen, massage pillow. This is not meant to... I know you're trying to help me. And, me and, I, and I love you for it. And stay away from me because all you're going to do is... They try and I don't want to take that away from them. But at the same point, I'm much like you that don't ask me every five minutes if I'm still in pain that you know when I'm not. Get the hell away from me so you don't get destroyed. Right. Yeah, yeah. 
My kids, uh, I think I try not to, I mean, they know that I've had it, but usually they only know that the morning after. They've, they're never in the loop as it happens because, like I said, it always is occurring like between 12 and 2 in the morning. So it's not like I'm talking to them then anyway. Um, so their experience of it is like, oh, that's you let your coworkers and we know. feel bad. And sometimes they'll ask me questions, Caroline particularly, because she's, you know, she's still the youngest and she's curious about it. She doesn't get it. And she's very blunt. She'll just be like, so what do you feel? Like, what is going on? I don't understand it. Um, but they don't try to help largely because I signal to them, there is nothing you can do. You don't want to be near me when this happens. Just something that happens once every few months and just probably best to stay away from me and know that it's not about you. It's about me. So when I was in Iceland, actually, it was the first time I've ever had that happen on a work trip. And I actually, I was part of a, the, the next morning I was supposed to be part of a focus group that it, we had convened an internal focus group of people around the world. Um, and I'm supposed to be there. And I texted at about three in the morning, I texted or emailed, actually text, I emailed the head of the group. And I said, I am right now just dealing with horrific phantom pain. I am not going to be functional tomorrow morning. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get some sleep first thing and I'll be in the office later, but I'm yeah, going to miss I, the session. You know, I, um, and I also, I work from because home. I work remotely, um, you know, I'm, on I'm a normal about day, now, like but earlier I think this I week when I had it, kind of um, as it bled into that, Monday, that um, I didn't say anything to anyone at work, but I also have the luxury, right, of, or, or things are very I, kind I can of pick and choose what I'm doing when I'm doing it. So at a given moment, I will let them know because if I don't, then honestly, I'm afraid that they're going to leave whatever interaction they might have with me thinking that I can actually do that. And I want them to know that you know there's a reason that I was a little bit itchy today. Yeah, I have done that as well. If I've got something, typically the day after, I'm I'm pretty useless for anything beyond checking and responding to emails because I I'm just so tired I can't really do any critical thinking. And so I have had instances where I'm part of you know I'm part of groups that are supposed to be you know a meeting that's supposed to be uh, involve some real heavy thinking, and I will I'll beg out of those meetings. I'll just say, listen, I'm really sorry. Can we reschedule this because I'm not. I'm not capable of doing this well today because of the phantom pain I'm having. And, you know, people are always incredibly understanding of that. What's, what's interesting about it though, Peggy is, you know, I once joked with when hurricane Sandy hit um, the East coast, I joked that the, the, the line separating us from kind of the 1800s is very, is much, it's, it's not quite as robust as we'd like to think. You know, all it takes is, exactly. you know, a few days and knowing that no it's coming and there's nothing and no that gas you can or do anything like that. And to we're really pretty much stop back it. There. You just kind of have to hold and, on for the ride. Um, and I wish we had better I advice from people. Pain, I really pain, do. Dave, do you have any strategies that you use? I have a few, but I want to know what you do. only thing in my consciousness. And it is amazing how pain randomly applied, not even applied, randomly occurring pain 
becomes the defining thing in your existence and how quickly you can move from being a very normal human to being really just scared of what's coming next. <laughs> I've tried over the counter sleep medications uh, when I when I first get that first jolt. Um I tried that last weekend and all it did was make right. my mouth incredibly dry. It made me there even more tired. So I was still awake. I so when I know that I it's I'm happening, I will that. take something um, to help me sleep. It usually night really will be because that's usually I think all we have. One time in 20 years as an um, amputee where I it took it and for some reason it knocked me out enough that I got through the night and I was fine the next day. As I mentioned, I've, I've tried putting on the massage pillow on the liner. I've tried walking around. It is not right made an appreciable difference for me when I've done that. So my basic approach now is suck it up, wait it out, and just be miserable. that helps. Sometimes stretching works sometimes i just i and i know i shouldn't don't do this because it's not a good idea i think from a limb health perspective but i've been known to just wrap it really 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 tight for like an hour or two and then that will help alleviate it as well i've tried meditating but that's been completely a meditation fail for me because i can't let myself release the pain long enough to be able to meditate to try to control the pain that I'm going to be feeling. Right. Yes, exactly. It's not because I spend the whole time in the meditation thinking about you know, the aura that's starting to feel and I know another one's coming and, and then I get really conflicted and then I just get even more frustrated because I'm trying to meditate to get away from this pain and it's making me think of the pain more and the meditation's not working. And then, yeah. That's an, that's a good one because I, I, I've actually tried that as well. And I've even, you know, I've, I've, I've used a tool that has specific meditations for pain and (laughs) <laughs> let me tell you meditating on pain when you're in pain that kind of pain at least not right. good not good No. So you've never See, like I feel like meditation would be very effective or more effective. I shouldn't say very effective. I like feel like it would be more day, effective. It's for, always at night. Like if I had chronic knee pain, right, or chronic back pain where you're you know, you're in pain, but it's not this okay. it's not these random bursts of just agony. It's just sort of this persistent low level or even medium level thing that is that's got you in its grips. And in that context, I could see how meditation might help. But man, when you're sitting there, you're trying to follow along with the guidance, trying to listen to that, and your entire body is tensing up for that next jolt. It just doesn't work. That's good. I I tend to get those. I probably get those more frequently than you do. 
Um, and I found that when that happens, if I just slam my prosthesis no, I've gotten, really hard into the yeah, ground I've with my limb in it, where, like, it out tends of the to kind of shake and everything it's just back like a one-off. All be. of a sudden, I'll have this jolt right through my entire limb, and it's like, what the hell was that? Like, you know, you just sit up and it wakes you up for a second. Um, but it's it's I have never gotten the kind of consistent um, multi-hour thing. Yeah, like in the middle of the day, it's a one-off if it ever happens at all. And it's so infrequent that I couldn't tell you the last time it happened. And I, I do think it's the one, it's not the one, but it is definitely a common thread throughout the community. We can all come from different backgrounds, with different causes for limb loss, different levels for limb loss. But I really believe at some point, most amputees have dealt with this on some level. Yeah. Uh it's a frustrating topic to talk about, honestly. I mean, it's, I don't know if it comes through in my comments, but it's just the, the, the fact that so little is still really known about it. And there's so little you can fundamentally do for it um, relative to relative to what you feel when it comes that it's just maddening, you know? It, Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it changes. I mean, I don't like the person that I become when I'm dealing with, with the phantom pain. You know, I'm a cranky, short-tempered. Right. It's a very, listen, it's a very know, common a nice experience mom. that I know. And, and I hate I that. I and then I become frustrated with that. that. But, you know, um, people with that's also kind of good uh, for the kids anomalies. to see on some level that, that, you know, um, I'm also human. You're e human. E there's literature even saying that people who you know, were you know, born without a limb We're family. We love each other through it. And then you move on. I don't think there are any hard and fast rules beyond the fact that when it happens, you don't want it to be happening. And... You, you can very quickly understand how pain applied intentionally to people will cause them to do almost anything and say whatever you I, want I will to tell say. you, um, and it won't impact you, but you know, some of our podcast listeners might have, have something to weigh in on this. I did find that when I was pregnant, the phantom pain became much more intense and much more frequent during both pregnancies and right after. I, from what I hear it is, from t just talking with other amputee moms and, and being yep. in some of those support pages, yep. absolutely. It's, it's there's yeah. And there's and, not a lot they can do and for also you. When um, you're a little bit, there, there just yeah. isn't. So that's I mean, my experience, that was at least. And, when, and I'm when I had, trying to honestly push them I away. I was in labor. That was actually um, like so the relief when they gave me the epidural, I so I stopped feeling off, it all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Is that a, do, do you have any, is that a common, is there been, I, I doubt there's been any research on that specifically, but anecdotally, is that a common experience for pregnant women with limb loss? Wow. As if being pregnant wasn't hard enough.
<laughs> that's good. Well, maybe that's the solution. We all get epidurals. Jeez. I'll tell you what, when it's going on, you understand it, it's, it doesn't take long to figure out how you could become addicted to opiates when you're, when you're dealing with it. The, what I get today is only a fraction. And I've shared this with you. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before my, when I lost my limb, I, you know, I got amputated. I was in the hospital for basically, I think six days. And then I was discharged and I went into the city to a rehab facility. Oh. And that entire six days I had been sitting either in a wheelchair or in my bed. And then I get to the rehab center on my first day there. I am upright on crutches all day. And, you know, it was like I could actually feel the blood sort of rushing down to the bottom of my limb for wow. the first time. And that night That's not good, I Dave. started having what I thought was just muscle tightness. And I said, oh, yeah. it just must be because I was up all day. And so I'm stretching. <laughs> And then the tightness all but of a sudden is tingling. But I'm glad that you've only dealt with it once. The tingling is kind of weird, but it's almost like the leg is asleep. So, and I'm like, all right, so that's, well, that's different. Too. And then that so, morphed into, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah, this one's kind of a and hard one to summarize. And then the last say that screaming uh, at a doctor to hit me with morphine, which they ultimately did. A semi-regular basis, meaning that, you know, every, like a few times a year in that acid. it rears its ugly head. And it's debilitating was, I mean, when it happens. That's a real fan of pain. Um, and I've only even had when, it Even once, though it doesn't it happen like that often. Absolutely when you're in the throes of it, man, it's like all you can focus constant, on. Nothing I can do. I was just, reduced to a you know, I'm trying to breathe mess. and get through the next jolt until it goes away. Um I know that, that my behavior changes. Dave, no, you said but that this I'll tell you your what, behavior I like changed. morphine a lot after that. Um, for the, they only gave know, it to me once, but I said, it, give me you more. You do the best that you can during the moment. You said, no, moment, you will not do that. And then I always apologize later. <laughs> yes, as am I. Yeah, you want to try to summarize this? Exactly. And, but I think that both of us have the wherewithal to know that that's how we're going to react to it. So I try to isolate myself as much as I can. Really hard when you have kids running around the house, but I know that, you know, peopling that day is not going to be my best option. So, and unfortunately it's, it's part of living with limb loss. Um, it just, it is there. It is going to happen at some point. Um, I found a few tricks that sometimes help. Dave has not really found anything, but we would love to hear from our listeners. If you found something that really works for Phantom Pain. Yeah, there's nothing. You know, I mean, Let us know what you've tried. I, I, I pride myself on being pretty even keeled and pretty optimistic. I am, I am an unpleasant dude to be around when this happens. And okay. I do exactly the same thing. Why I apologize foil? to people after the fact because there's just nothing I can do. Okay. Yes, I would agree with that.
See, I don't think that that would be beneficial for like the jolting phantom pain. I think that would be more for like when my toe is being twisted and the nails being pulled off. Please, <laughs> we'll try it. I mean, when I first became an amputee, Peggy, the big one was, oh, wrap your leg in tin foil. I tried that. That didn't work. <laughs> I don't know. The theory was that there was some sort of electric sensitivity, and if you wrapped it in tin foil, somehow it would dissipate the. I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I've I've heard so many things over the years, um, and. I've heard a, I've lot heard a lot of, of virtu- a lot of you know, virtual realities the mirror starting once, to the be mirror that allows you to see pain. your limb. And I could see um, for for that frankly, type of phantom pain. I've never pain, had that, that near me when phantom pain was occurring. But when it's, when, when it's I'm in the, the middle of phantom pain, two or three in the morning, going down to the basement to find the thing I made for whatever reason. I don't know. I I don't think that's going to work for me. Yeah, I don't know. The one thing I do know is that the DOD, which has done a lot of research on just the phenomenon of phantom pain yeah, as a result of don't all do the that, wounded though, warriors coming back, has done a lot of mirror therapy. That opens up a whole and other can it of It does help. But I also think that you're right. My, my recollection is that research often focuses on right. these so intense feelings of like, you know, what you described or painful, painful cramping, the villain being stuck in a position. And being able to visualize in that context drop it in our mighty really network, ampedlife.com. Um, so I don't know. Facebook or Twitter it to us. Tweet it to us. So let's let's try to keep Dave from hitting himself with the shovel and going all Bugs Bunny on himself. There you go. Well, Dave, I hope I hope that you have a phantom pain free week. Good. Yeah. I'm getting to the point where if I can't find a good solution, I'm going to leave a shovel All right, we'll talk soon. if I can't Bye. go to sleep and can't get through it. I'm just going to tell Kara, can you please hit me as hard as you can with this right now? Cause that'll be better. <laughs> okay, fine. I won't get bludgeoned with a shovel to solve my phantom pain problems. Yeah. It would be nice. Cool. Well, thanks for this conversation, Peggy. Oh, I should be good for the next few months now. (laughs) Yes, me too. Thanks a lot, Peggy. Take care.